Okay, we are live. Yes, this is the first time, huh? Yes, Deep Tech Podcast, is that what we are calling it? Yeah, this is going to be the one. Okay. Uh, so, to tell you what we are doing here, every day we are working with a lot of Deep Tech companies, and we learn a lot from the deep dives that we do using our AI tools and such. We thought that it's cool also for us to share between each other this information and these learnings and also maybe it's interesting for some people out there to get to know these so we are learning these how to do this work and it's gonna be very unpolished we are not gonna spend a lot of time editing this see how we go yeah yes talk about what we learn every week yeah. you know uh, I think there's this there's this ecosystem there's this companies that have been there for ages, you know, for 50, 60, you know, sometimes 80 years, these very strong companies that no one knows about, that they make, you know, the most complex technologies in the world, the most advanced scientific products. And I think they are a bit underrated, you know, we interact with them a lot in our day to day. And I feel like people need to know more about them. There's a lot of startups in this area as well. Yeah. I think in the last couple of years, it has been very strong trend that more and more of the new generation of startups are more based on science, you know, biology, semiconductors, battery, energy. It's less and less, you know, about apps and software. You know, I'm yeah. a computer scientist. We are a software company, but I still feel like, you know, we are not the ones really doing the high tech. Like these are the companies doing the high yeah. tech. Yeah. When we were coming, when I came out of science yeah. and focusing helping scientific companies uh, actually work better and like expand their network and such we were never the ones that like among the cool ones yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. you know all of these um, app companies they were the cool yeah, companies yeah, yeah. but now it's shifting like last in 2022 only i think 60 to 70 percent of the investment from VCs went to deep tech companies. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have, yeah, we are in a unique, weird position where, you know, we can talk very deep about the science and we can talk about the markets and the business and, you know, our bread and butter is AI. So this is, we have this weird intersection, you know, we don't know as much as other people for a, spe a specific thing, but I think we can have a fresh perspective. Um, yeah, so we wanted to talk about today mostly about the semiconductor market. We were focusing on that lately in the last few weeks. Yes. But before everything else, what do you mean by deep tech? Let's go okay. through that. Yes. What is deep tech? What do you mean by deep tech? For me, it's, it's, it's companies that have a strong scientific knowledge, that need a lot of R&D, that have a competitive advantage because they they take advantage of uh, yeah the latest advancements in science uh, they have strong connections with uh, academia they have products that are quite hard to produce and require very advanced instrumentation to produce yeah. uh, to me these are the deep tech companies yeah i coach here from my research that i did on MIT articles from MIT and also McKinsey there are multiple ways that people define them is a essentially is 
knows we vertical is very well defined if you can essentially define it as a way that is both complete and also covers all of the um examples but here that's the how they find it a market sector that is located at the technological frontier today it has two components the existence of high level of information asymmetry so essentially knowledge mm -hmm. the presence of high level of capital intensity mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so deep tech today might not be deep tech tomorrow mm -hmm. because it needs to be at the edge of technological frontier so you need to have a lot of knowledge to push that frontier and at the same time you need to have a lot of capital invest a lot of capital hire a lot of technical people to be able to push that forward i think like in practice you know it's deep tech is different to everyone but i think in practice it's mostly used to indicate what it's not you know Tech has been a big thing for a long time, and deep tech is used kind of to distinguish from that, to separate on that. You know, this is not a normal tech company; it's a deep tech company. You know, they do real science. So essentially, tech, all tech used to be deep tech. Sure, sure. And tech became too but now, main like, and like yes. too kind of general. Well, now it used to be talk uh, like called high tech, but now yeah. everything is high tech. So we, we yeah. change the name. Huh? Like you can make Uber is high tech. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. make a pizza delivery app is high tech, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which is anything by high tech. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. high tech. So one of these fields, uh, which is very much talked about, and we are really coming across it very often, is semiconductor and computer hardware, compute hardware, there is com quantum computing there as well, and electronic devices, but let's focus on semiconductors. Yeah. Can you tell me like what you feel, why it has become so serious? You have been reading also the yeah, Chief yeah, Wars yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. book, why it has become so hot right now? Like it was, like in the past it was the hottest, you know, vertical, the hottest industry, you know, from the from the 70s, 80s, 90s, like, you know, it's called Silicon Valley. That's where everything came from, all the money came from, uh, all the, you know, new technologies nowadays, even like stuff that seems totally different, like, uh, like biomedical stuff. Uh, it's all fed by new advancements in semiconductors. It's just been the last like 15 years where it has taken a bit of a backstage, you know, with this new generation of, you know, Facebook, Google, Microsoft. Well, Microsoft is a while ago, Apple is a while ago, but they started with semiconductors, the beginning of Microsoft. the Microsoft. Yes, Microchip yes. software. So it has taken a bit of a backstage lately, and the whole world has been focused on software, but I think this is temporary. And now with COVID and the, the whole geopolitical situation, it's becoming more and more obvious how you know how important and fragile the whole semiconductor ecosystem is and there's a lot more attention in you know making that more robust and really you know realizing that it's the foundation of everything yeah but uh, okay very good there are two things i see that uh, or three things that has been fed 
this and one was essentially yeah from my point of view when i was doing research last few weeks on it apparently the the start of it was what essentially geopolitics and then very complex supply chain which makes it very fragile yeah and the other one is like the rise of ai and new advanced chips that we need yeah yeah i, I think there's like two new trends again like one is uh becoming uh, a bit independent of companies like tmcnc or samsung who are right now the only companies in the world that can make the the most advanced you know chips that everyone uses like all the apple produces everything at tsmc nvidia produces everything at tsmc the whole ai situation is all reliant on these few companies so i think the world is trying to diversify from that because it's a bit fragile trying to build more fabs in the west in us in europe also japan china is fighting really hard to be able to make their own semiconductors so <coughs> this is one trend increasing the capacity and diversifying how semiconductors can be made and the other trend is the same story as always you know more slow going again like smaller smaller nodes. now we are moving towards three nanometer nodes and you know crazy uh, science and engineering is required for this and there's also market trends for this market bottlenecks where for example asml is the only one that can do this right now and you know there are big movements in this area so there's a lot of investment in r&d and there's a lot of investment in creating new fabs increasing capacity you know and diversifying the production um yes uh, we were particularly looking at the opportunities for because uh, <coughs> just to give a bit of context like we have always worked a lot with kind of precision instrumentation companies. Our roots are in academia, in science. You know, we, we were the bridge between science and business. We have helped a, a lot of companies sell their scientific instrumentation uh, to academia. And now we are also helping industry. So we are looking at what the opportunities are specifically for these companies in semiconductors. Uh, we saw that we need to focus on R&D and quality control and failure analysis. I was looking at some numbers in there. Uh, but what do you think? Like you've been looking at this a lot, talking to uh, this company. <coughs> what is the feeling? Yeah, but sorry guys, first, um, I don't know. I have some allergies that I cannot control my coughing. Yeah, I'm not fine. sick. It's authentic. It's yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's every time in my meetings and such with customers. Yes. This comes up and they feel that I'm having persistent what do you call it the long covid yes 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 but it's not his allergies is worse than long COVID. Mm -hmm. um the thing is that like you know the last two three years more than 250 billion dollar was invested in the u.s alone mm -hmm. for building new facilities mm -hmm. and uh, before this, everyone was moving towards fabless. A lot of companies were fabless and they were essentially all the production or dirty work, let's say, mm -hmm. was moved to East Asia. Well, it's like at first it was because of, you know, just cheaper labor. But more and more 
I think it was just because it's so hard to make the new semiconductors. So you really have to centralize it. Like the only way you can manage is if everyone in the world like unifies their resources and everyone makes their, their chips in a single place. And that way, with all these resources, you can make such advanced chips. But yeah, otherwise, it's really hard for each company to have their own manufacturing. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to ask, like, because we are in the Netherlands now, so ASML is a Dutch company, but I'm always questioning and asking why TSMC can make highest um, precision or what they call smallest uh, nanometer nodes mm -hmm. than everyone else, if everyone else has the highest and best machines. Yeah, I think, well, I think it's all ASML. I think they, they all use the same machines. I think the difference with TSMC is they have, they have the clients, you know, they have the biggest clients in the world and they have the resources to fund the newest fabs because everyone relies on them. I don't think they have a particular advantage because TSMC doesn't invest as much as, for example, Intel invests like 20% of the revenue, yearly revenue in R&D. TSMC only invests about 8% of the revenue in R&D. So they don't do that much of their own. They rely on other companies to advance their technology. And both Intel and TSMC, they have similar revenue every year. I think it was both they make about 60 billion a year. Uh, so I think the, the advantage of TSMC is mostly uh, about business, uh, you know, the strategic. Intel only has themselves as a client and they are trying to build a founder, I think. They, no, have they are. They, the latest CEO made yeah. the uh, like they made the foundry separate from the design yes i think so they are trying but i think it has slightly flopped i think they are pushing it a bit further and trying again but uh yeah still it's hard to capture the market so yeah i think that's why tsmc has the newest stuff because they can afford it yeah so let's move to the semiconductor supply chain yeah 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 because I don't want to go a bit deeper, right? like deep tech. We have been giving yeah. an overview, but I would like to nerd out a bit about the science and go a bit more in detail yeah. into this I would kind of manufacturing We can go process. to the science and manufacturing process, but like the thing is that like uh, semiconductor industry has a very strange and intercombined, like anyone, any other industry, I assume. Uh, like supply chain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm now looking through the supply chain that I mapped. Uh, so it starts from raw materials that essentially they need to, uh, there are a few companies that make those, essentially the silicon. Uh, Is this a bottleneck? Like, uh, I, I mean, silicon is fairly abundant. I don't know if it's very hard to get the silicon to a state that is, you know, uh, accurate enough for for the wafers is that a bottleneck in the market or are there many suppliers for that do you know i know there are actually the three suppliers of it mm -hmm. and also they do pre-coating how and how are these made actually do you know because i don't they know they melt the them and they essentially drop them as a drop 
or like what you call big mm -hmm. and like silicone drops because they need to be a wafer. single crystal don't they like a single crystalline structure uh yeah i don't think so no okay i don't know let do they check. grow them as crystals i, I don't no. know let me check let me check let me uh, see what is there yes are you using marathon yeah no but also i'm not sure trying to silicone product um vapor production process so Also, essentially, they have a seed crystal. Mm -hmm. They have like essentially, if you yes. like a kid when we were kids, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. had this, uh, uh, what you call hypersaturated, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like solutions, and we would make. It. So apparently, there is a like a crucible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then they are melting. Um, melting uh what do you call like silicon mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then they have a single crystal so they make a uh, like a seed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it they pull it out and it becomes essentially it would become like oh, around okay. something like around one oh side. yeah because they make it like a big cylinder no and yeah, then yeah. they cut it into wafers yes and okay. i've seen this when i visited asml Mm -hmm. I've seen the like the whole uh, you know. Oh, SML also makes the wafers. No, no, no. But they show it. They have a experience center mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that they show all of this mm -hmm, steps. Mm -hmm. So next time maybe we can have essentially some way that we can show the the what do you call it the screen. Yes. Of yes. the computer. But then that's where it comes, and then you need to make an oxidation layer on top. Yeah. And uh, so it's so interesting for me that there are some basic, if you think of it as basics, the principles are basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart from some of them that is kind of the PN junction by itself, like the sure. diodes and um, the principle working, which is a quantum effect. But um, so they put water on top and they create this uh, silicon oxide layer mm -hmm, on mm -hmm, top. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then they put a like, chemical mask on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have a photolithography yeah, that yeah. is essentially where they do. I don't know. At, did you do at uh, school making uh, no. circuits? Yeah, like no, I didn't. You did that? Really? It was like it's a very simple thing. Like we, we, what we did, we used to draw, like not the, you know, circuit boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Not the, the, like the PCBs. Chip, PCBs, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So it's just um, it, it's a piece of plastic. Mm -hmm. On top of it, there is a layer of copper, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we would uh, we would make uh what do you call it a layer there that we would draw mm -hmm. or cut mm -hmm. and stick it on top mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then we would 
like essentially wash it in acid. Ah, okay. So the so it's a similar. This, yeah. Okay. okay, I see, I see. But it's not like photoresist. It's a different, like you you etch it, like by hand. No, but with, with acid. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, etching it was in acid. But also you have two types of etching: wet wet etching and. Mm-hmm. Um, dry etching, which yeah. is essentially you're removing that layer of silicon oxide mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you can essentially do, based on that, you can do doping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah different yeah. types of doping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the photo, like for a long time actually, they they, they actually made chips with just normal like photography chemicals, like photoresist chemicals, like actually like Kodak and such was a big supplier at the beginning. Uh, yeah. And then it got very specialized. Uh, but yeah, for, for a while they just used no more kind of photography uh, developing stuff. Uh, and they actually made the patterns by hand, like actually for like 20 years, like between the 70s and the 80s, like they literally use like rulers and they, they they made the pattern by hand. Like they actually would make the chip diagrams by hand. There was a whole generation that could do that. That ability has been lost, I think. But what would they do? They would use that as um like on the camp on the what do you call projector? Yes, I, I think there might be like a multi step process. Like they would make the pattern a mask. on paper and then from that they would make a mask or something like that. Still making the mask I think is a main bottleneck for you know, when you want to make a new chip. Because I was looking into it for a while because I I was thinking like why is it so hard? Like why is it so expensive? If you if you design a chip, why is it so expensive to produce it? And why can't they you know, just make a lot of different chips in parallel? instead of making all, always one design. And apparently the main bottleneck is making the mask. You know, same as making the mold for like, you know, plastic uh, products, you know, like mm-hmm. injection mold. Like him making the mask for a semiconductor for a chip takes weeks and weeks of very specialized work where they need to iterate on it, they need to correct it. It's not something that has been automated fully yet. Uh, I think it's one of the bottlenecks, why it takes so long to make a new chip and why it's so expensive. Uh, but yeah, anyways. So actually, I uh, now that I think of it, maybe I need to invite one of my friends that is in semiconductor industry working inside to get a bit more, like you know, meat on the bone. Yes. How... Yes, I think that would be cool. Yeah, that we can do. There's a lot of people we can invite if this goes well. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking at now, for example, like we are talking about one step, which is a photolithography, mm-hmm. where they are like I have now in this more than I think 50, 60 different instruments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they're using it for uh, in a fab or mm-hmm. in a semiconductor R&D. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is so cool. Because mm-hmm. now, for example, this growth means that a lot of these companies now have a, a lot of growth opportunities. Mm-hmm. And now they can essentially uh, better capture a piece of this pie. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. 
that's the challenge that we have uh, right now is that like um yeah if this supply chain if you want to bring it to over you need to be able to sell and buy all of these devices and find what are the best for example like you know uh mask aligners what are the, the best uh what do you call it automated optical inspection what are the best inline metrology tools yeah because this... everything changes like the smaller you go it's not just a different in scale huh? like once you go to once the everything moved to euv everything became so much hard you know just making a just a, a, a light source like a light bulb that can produce EUV at that intensity, it's incredibly hard, and there was like an investment of like a couple billion uh, to produce just yes, the the source. I think it's I, I was listening to to the book the the um, the cheap war. He, he explained it there. I think they use a droplet of lead and they like explode it at many times the temperature of the sun uh, to produce this EUV light source, and then you need special optics that were mainly made by size who we work with. Uh, also, uh, size got an investment of like uh, 1 billion from ASML to build the optics that could deal with the extreme ultraviolet, you know. Also for like R&D and quality control failure analysis, you know, when you're talking about in a 14 nanometer, you know, 9 nanometer, 4 nanometer, 9, 3 nanometer, you suddenly need, you know, like imaging instruments that can look at things at the atomic level. And suddenly, stuff that were was built for scientific applications is relevant now, you know, which is why all the companies we interact with are so excited to get in there. Yeah, these companies I call them the coolest companies that nobody knows. Yes, literally, <clears throat> they are not in popular uh, science or popular uh, media. At least they are not as hyped up as you know. Google or Microsoft, but uh, like actually they make, well, they don't make more money than Microsoft, but they make more money than, you know, a lot of oil companies, a lot of banks, and no one knows about them. You know? Yeah. And they, it's kind of like it's very, it was a very hard. For example, a company like ASML a few years ago, nobody really knew. Mm. In If you would talk about ASML in Netherlands, nobody really knew them. And still, they don't know them, but like now there are a lot of I'm looking at the list of companies that are working in this industry mm. that uh, you would not even know, like a company like KLA, KLA. Yeah, KLA, yeah. yeah. Right? I mean. I think this company is just interact with the insiders. Let you me know, look at you, KLA. You contact KLA. I think. Revenue. Yeah, you contact KLA when you want to build a new farm. You know, and they set everything up. That's their job. But I think they're only known by a couple companies in the world, the ones that can afford building farms. You know? So you, do you know what is KLA's market cap? What is KLA's market cap? No, I don't know. How much is it? I don't know. I would say like 20 billion. I don't know. 84 billion. 84 billion. Okay. okay. Right? Okay. That's, that's more than Ford. We checked earlier. Like Ford is like 50 billion. And Ford? Market cap is forty billion dollars. Yeah, forty billion dollars. Yeah. So, and how many people know Ford, and how many people know KLA? I know, I know. Like it's... And let me see ASML's market cap. 
Yeah, as ML, I checked earlier, it was 6.6 .6 billion, which is surprisingly no, low. No, 338 billion. What? The ah, market that's, cap. Ah, no, sorry, sorry. I looked at the yearly revenue. Like, the yearly revenue is surprisingly low, 6.6 .6 billion. I think the valuation is very high because they have such strategic importance. But they don't actually make that much money, and they are not such a big company because they are really restricted by their production capacity you know they can only make not a scalable company no they can only make like 30 to 50 of these euv machines a year and there's you know there, there's not that many new fabs no but they had 27 billion in 2023 are you sure yeah yeah i think that you're you were looking at the quarter uh maybe it was a quarter yeah and you, said 30 you know what is their gross margin 51 percent really yeah that's interesting because like, actually they don't see, do KLA gross margin. Yeah, it's because they have the monopoly. Yeah, you can have big profits if you have a monopoly. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong then. KLA is. I was surprised. Fifty-nine, as well. sixty percent. Let me see KLA revenue. Yeah. Twenty twenty-three. Ten billion. Ten only ten billion. Kayleigh. Yeah, like some of our clients they make like twenty five, thirty billion. Another cool company that nobody knows is uh, outside of um, scientific arena is Thermo Fisher. Thermo Fisher is forty two billion. Forty two billion now? Yes. Like that I last time I looked at it it was twenty five billion. And I guess it was a couple of years ago. Did they grow that much? Maybe I'm misremembering. But let me see at uh, their market cap. Maybe it's not as high because they are not. 210 billion. Okay, okay, still very high, still very high. Oh my God, like, this is the thing that let me, so KLA was one of the companies that nobody knew. Yeah. Like Cyber Optics. Cyber Optics, I don't even know. <laughs> what company is that? Cyber optics, let me see. They make um multifunction so at automated optical inspections. Mm -hmm. Right? So they for like quality control. Yes. So let me see if I can see how many employees they have. <coughs> Between fifty and two hundred. It's not that much. But there is Nordson. Nordson. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Corporation. So, is part of Nordson Corporation, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is 5 to 10K employees. So, on LinkedIn, if you look at it, mm -hmm. they have 2,000. 358 associated members, mm -hmm. but they say that it's between five to. So let's see North Sun uh, revenue. 2.6 billion revenue. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, you know, another thing that's. Uh, so there are like, I have more than 90 companies that I would like to know, for example, Hitachi makes stuff Hitachi for... Hitachi is a big one. Well, they do a lot of other things as well, but yeah. Tokyo Electronic Limited, Applied Materials. Applied Materials is a big one. Actually, uh, 
they are the main supplier of um, the, the the layers on top of the silicon. What do you call that again? Uh, the coating. The mask? No. No, 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 no. Uh, the the different layers on, on top of the silicon. Uh, like I, I, the position. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think applied materials is the main supplier of of those chemicals and the technology to to build these Let's layers. Let's see. I'm looking at their product and services mm -hmm. in semiconductors. Enable the AI arrow. Everyone is using this AI. <laughs> yeah, also. They have these humongous machines. Well, it's the biggest demand Net right zero now. Zero acceleration. AI chips. Yeah. You know, crypto went a bit dark, and now AI is a big demand. <laughs> Let me see. Let's ask Mirror Things what they do. Yes. Yeah, I checked this morning, actually. Uh, I think it was something like that. Does applied material. Uh, I think they are one of the companies that stand the... the most to gain from building all these new fabs. Deposition systems, as yeah, you said? Position, yeah, they used to deposit various materials onto wafers, edge systems, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rapid thermal processing, which is systems are used to for annealing, which involves heating the semiconductor vapor to a high temperature to change the electronic properties mm -hmm. of the materials and active dopants. What is can, so, can we have a small parenthesis actually? What, what is annealing? Like you're the physicist, you hear like quantum annealing and... Annealing means that... Uh, means essentially heating up and cooling down. Okay, but what happens in, a in controlled that process? Manner, controlled manner. Does the... What happens when you, when you heat it up and cool it down? Does it align the electrons in a certain way? Uh, like my memory has this vague idea of it. So it says heat metals or glass and allow it to cool slowly in order to remove internal stresses and make it easier to work with. Okay. So it's kind of like shaking a, shaking something so that it becomes more ordered. Yeah, like, there uh, are like they having quantum annealing means that they bring uh, something in a... Um, outside of a quantum states, mm -hmm. like in a more classical temperature, th mm -hmm. temperatures that the system shows classical behavior, and then you cool it down mm -hmm. in order to, for example, let's say in like D-Wave, for example, they are famous for their quantum yeah, yeah. annealing as, um, computers. What they do, they have these um, superconductive rings that they are their qubits. This is a confusing thing because like annealing to me, like it refers to rings, you know, and I think it's not related. Huh? Uh, like annealing is like, you know, Latin for making into a ring. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, he's a Spanish. That's yes, why he's that's why. Anillo, anillo in Spanish is, is ring. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> etymology, let's yes. see etymology of annealing. <laughs> Uh, anneal origin 
comes from Old English. From is it Old English? Is to burn, bake, from burning. Oh, so maybe it has a different. So maybe it's just a coincidence that it sounds like the ring. So it's called Unil Unilan. How come that every time I, I'm a <laughs> dyslexic person, the whole reason that I started this company was not to read anymore, and I end up reading all the time. Uh, yeah. Okay, so it's Let's totally go. unrelated to rings, but so essentially, maybe like that would see like etymology. So annealing generally means, you know, to bring to a higher energy state and then let it kind of go down to the stable energy state. Is that correct? Yes. So essentially, to I think it has different meanings or different ways to do it in material science context mm -hmm. or in quantum context. Mm -hmm. But this is essentially what uh, um, Mm -hmm. That is what it is. But let me go on the rabbit hole of annealing. Sure. In the Middle English, annelen, annelen, from Old English, English. What is this A-E attached to each other? Uh, How it's it's a vowel. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it happens, but... To set fire. <laughs> and then from um, Proto-Germanic, Ailan. Mm-hmm. And uh, from the same root meaning to burn, okay. ash. Okay, okay. So it's not, um, so unfortunately, it's not It um, comes Latin from Germanic, word. it's not Latin. Okay, that's quite interesting. So I was getting confused with the rings. But anyways, uh, going back to the... Why annealing is used? I, I think, go, uh, like, we we started this tangent on the silicon wafer so essentially what you meant is that they heat it up and cool it down so that the structure is more regular yeah to, so that it's more precise huh? <clears throat> what are you finding so it says that it's dopant activation so they dope for because uh, silicone is not um a semiconductor you, or like it is semiconductor but you need to essentially dope it with the p yeah. or n and uh, types like or like the things that introduce electron extra electrons the silicon uh, is silicon is an insulator no? is an insulator yeah. but it's a smaller band yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's called the uh, dopant activation during the doping process impurities dopants are important introduced into the semiconductor materials to alter its electrical properties. Annealing is used to activate these dopants by providing the energy needed for them to move into a substantial ah. substitutional ah. position within the crystal. Ah. Uh, so they move them, okay, yes. which allows them to effectively change the material's conductivity. This I need to do more research. Uh, repairing crystalline damage. Yeah. That is what you were saying. And stress relief. So, for example, like if you heat it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. then the atoms would shift 
You know, it's like having a box of balls, and you, you know, you shake it, and they, they become more regular. You yeah, know, they, yeah. they get into a crystallized structure. Improving electrical properties. Like the, the doping reminded me, like the, the annealing of the doping. How did it You do remember this, uh, this whole thing with the super, uh, superconductors? Like earlier like last year mid last year or something like that like the super superconductor thingy where yeah. they found thought they found a superconductor and there was this whole conversation about uh you know doping the material and in what position in the crystalline structure it should be and how that was like getting the copper in the right place how that was really hard and they were saying okay like uh, the samples they were getting they were impure and they 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 struggled to get the copper in the proper position in the end it didn't matter it, it was a false alarm but there was a whole conversation about that so i asked how is uh, doping is done mm -hmm. in ion impl implantation is the most common method of doping it involves accelerating dopant ions to a high energies and then directing them into the semiconductor substrate. Mm -hmm. That is why they need this, um, what do you call it? This layer, mm -hmm. protective layer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when they essentially like they do the uh, photolithography yeah. to remove those parts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of, they wash it with acid or like with the gas. So then they heat up this, um, they bombard it with this, ions mm -hmm. and then it penetrates mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the silicon right so they they embed it in there and yeah. then they heat so it those up areas. so that it gets in and and cool it down so that they get into the right position yes the process is highly controllable allowing to precise control over the dopant uh, concentration and distribution mm -hmm. after ion implantation an annealing step is used to require to repair the crystal damage and Activate the dopant. Uh, so when you bombard the silicon with the ions, it kind of breaks up the, the yes. crystal. Okay. Then the other one is diffusion. Because when I was doing actually studying physics, we were doing solid state physics mm -hmm. and theory. I was always asking like, how do they do these PN junctions? And like, they mm -hmm. would not stick them together in diodes and mm -hmm. uh, in transistors but now i'm learning it <laughs> after 20 years <laughs> so diffusion you're not an experimentalist no, that's, the, no. that's the thing they can maths and theory yeah i like those more well you because did some simulations like it, as well but it's not really like you know uh i'm clumsy with real world you know actually my cousin she's now studying she's now finishing the degree in physics and maths and and she says yeah she's terrible in the lab she's has a bunch of accidents maybe i shouldn't talk about this in public but anyways you don't know she who will she not is listen. no she will no one will listen at least to this first one but yeah she was saying this that she was very clumsy so she wanted to go into maths and applied maths yeah. and epidemiology and such yeah so after this tangent yes sorry. diffusion <laughs> um the semiconductor is exposed to a dopant source at the high temperature the dopant diffuse into the semiconductor material from high region uh, of high concentration to low concentration. Mm -hmm. The depths and the concentration of the dopant can be controlled by the temperature and the time of diffusion. So the other one is essentially bombarding, essentially ion gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like essentially 
similar to let's say TVs, old CRT TVs. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm assuming here, huh? Um, I will read and. I'm sure it's way more complex nowadays, but I think the first ones they were probably just a normal. Is it like a magnetic? You know, they just accelerate ions with a magnetic field. No, I think the electric field. Electric field. Okay. Or maybe they do it also circuitron? No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I need to check. Uh, but you are saying, it. so after the annealing, the ions need to diffuse through the crystal? No, no, no. They diffuse and then they anneal it. Okay, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they bombard it, then they help it spread through the silicon and then they anneal it so that it gets ordered. I'm asking how do they... So the other expectation mm -hmm. growth. During uh, this growth, a thin layer of semiconductor material is deposited, deposited on a substrate. Uh, the dopant can be incorporated in the gas phase during the deposition process, resulting to a doped layer. Mm -hmm. This method allows the growth of doped layers with different properties than the underlying substrate. Mm -hmm. So essentially they have uh, this substrate, they have it atomic deposition, mm -hmm. this comes and grows. Mm -hmm. And then it's similar to vapor deposition or something. So alloying, uh, alloying, mm -hmm. making an alloy. Mm -hmm. This is a less common method where dopant atoms are mixed with the semiconductor materials in molten state. Okay. Well, okay. Yes. Yeah. Upon uh, solidification, the dopant are incorporated into a crystal's lattice. This method is typically used for compound semiconductor rather than silicon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In situ doping, so with time, in situ means time. Mm -hmm. No, in situ means in place. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in situ doping occurs during the deposition of a semiconductor layer, such as uh, during chemical vapor deposition, a molecular beam. Dopant gas are introduced into a re reaction chamber and along with the precursor gases. This becomes too complex. Yeah, no, I'm not following. That is fine. Yeah. So I asked what is the way, why they, how they do the acceleration with the most common one is ion implantation. So which is bombarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the ion source, the process, so I said, how do they accelerate mm -hmm. these ions? Mm -hmm. So ion source, the process begins with an, an ion source where a gas containing the desired dopant element is ionized. The ionization is usually achieved by applying the electric field. Mm -hmm. which strips electrons from the dopant atoms, creating a positive charge ions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Once the iron ions are generated, mm -hmm. they are extracted from the ion source using the electric field. Mm -hmm. The extracted ions are 
then directed into an acceleration stage of implanter. Acceleration mm -hmm. phase, the ions are accelerated in high energies by electric field. This is typically done using a series of electrodes increasingly positive voltage. Mm -hmm. So essentially they have electrodes and meshes that they are essentially accelerating. Ah, okay. They have this uh, called the um, ion jets that also the mm -hmm. fanless jets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, They're... like those Dyson fans that don't have the... No, no, those are not. Like there okay. are some that they do, like in, on YouTube if you search, yeah, yeah, yeah. they have this, uh, the same thing that they make uh, oh, propulsion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw like uh, some prototypes of like planes yeah. that were, yeah, yeah, with propulsion with ions, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ion engine, there's a lot of talk as well of making spaceships out of that. Then mass analysis, yeah. because the ion source may produce a mix of different ions, mm -hmm. it is necessary to select the only desired dopant ions. Oh, okay. This is achieved by using mass analyzer, which separates the ions based on all oh, this. Is this cool. is like mass charge ratio. No? This most common by a type of mass analyzer is magnetic se separator. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. Cool. So this is how mass spectrometers work as well, yeah. no? where you separate, yeah, yeah. And then ion shaping, which is essentially lens mm -hmm. and the scan. Mm -hmm. The selected ion beam is then shaped and focused using magnetic and electron lenses. Lenses. These are also very cool things. Oh, so it has a very precise beam. Then. Yeah, it's because, not just bombardment. No, no, because you need. So yeah. because you need even in every at every point, or why why does it need to be so precise? So I need to ask. Mm -hmm. So here it says the beam is scanned across the target silicon wafer yeah, in a controlled panel pattern to ensure uniform doping across entire yeah, surface. Yeah, so they can essentially I... swipe, scan it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a similar thing as well with the with lithography as well. They they do it in small portions and they scan through it. Like a big breakthrough, I think, in the eighties. There was this company in the US that made this. It was a small company at the beginning. I don't remember the name. It was in the book uh, where they started making these steppers, like for lithography, where you know it would go uh, very even. You mean the light source? Yeah, 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 the light source. Uh, so it's a similar process, except uh, like instead of the ion beam, it's a light source for the lithography. But they took over the market for like a decade. Then they went down. But these stepper uh, lithographers were a big deal for a while. Um, yeah, anyways. So then is implantation and then cooling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it says that the accelerated ions collide with the silicon wafer, mm -hmm. penetrating the surface and coming to a rest at a depth determined by their energy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I will go and again try to describe it in more plain words. Sure. Then cooling to prevent vapor from overheating during the implant implantation process is typically held as at a controlled temperature, often using cooled chunk, uh, cooled chalk, mm -hmm. or by passing coolant through the vapor holder. Yeah, actually, I can imagine if you're bombarding the silicon with ions, you know, a small part of it becomes really hot and it messes the whole purity of yeah. it. Huh? So essentially, so what they do, they create um, with ion discharge, mm -hmm. 
they create these ion sources, mm -hmm. like they make uh, ions, then they accelerate it to essentially with having positive and negative, uh, what do you call it, uh, arrays of what do you call... Um, yeah, the grids. The, grids. Yeah, I understand. And the then they need to make sure that is a ion with the same because it might be one minus one or plus one uh, okay like or two or something right you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. so the charge how yeah, many yeah. electrons is missing yeah, yeah. they want to separate that yeah. so they go they accelerate them around a radius with a magnetic field and they curve differently based on their charge right yeah i remember studying this in high school yeah where, yeah based on the yeah, on the electric charge in the magnetic field. Yeah, they, it's essentially they rotate if, in a different if you want to go, like it's like at the, um, when you go fast around the curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The faster, the the tighter the uh, the circle is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In like when you go karting. Yeah. You need more friction or mm -hmm. more downward, like central force, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. and then. So it means that like... Yeah, it makes sense. The ones that are attracted the most, they, they <coughs> curve tighter, so they yeah. get separated. Okay. Yeah, yeah they yeah. are the bent more. And then the, here, they, that's how they select. And I think here then becomes quantized, like, you know, uh, because the number of electrons are quantized. Mm -hmm. So you would see, ra like, what do you call it, radiuses, specific radiuses that these ions... Right, like specific lanes where the yeah. ions fit in. Okay, okay. And then... <coughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, then you bombard the silicon. Uh, you introduce the, the ions into the silicon, which heats it up, so it needs to be cooled. <coughs> you need yeah. to let the ions diffuse through the silicon. Yeah. Uh, so that they are evenly spread, and then you need to anneal it so that they get into the right positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, we started talking about this because we were talking about ASML and applied materials and such, and it's important to realize that, you know, ASML, they have a big monopoly on the lithography, but there's a long process before the lithography to prepare the wafer and do all the layers and the deposition and the uh, doping which is done by other companies, like Applied Materials, I think there are some others. And then we also earlier, we discussed how to make the wafer itself, which there are yeah. other companies specialized in that. And then afterwards, uh, essentially, there are a long list of companies that do a lot of test and quality control tools. Yeah. And like failure analysis tools and such. Yeah, that's another one. Then looking at the actual chip and seeing, yeah. you know, what defects it has and how to improve the yield. Yeah. yeah, but then all of this, the cool thing is that they, I was reading also McKenzie and different reports. They say by 2030, the semiconductor industry will pass $1 trillion value mm -hmm, mm -hmm. annual sales, the whole. We need to be careful though, because we are working with these, you know, precision analytical instrumentation companies and this does not necessarily translate to big growth for them. I mean, certainly there's a lot of growth, but I was looking into it uh, this morning. I was looking into how much the current investment in semiconductors 
you know, trickles down to this precision Supplier. instrumentation. Yeah. So a lot of it is just building the fabs and just construction and the kind of manufacturing equipment. And I looked into it, and if a fab costs like between 10 and $20 billion, uh, they do spend quite a lot on precision instrumentation, but it's only like a couple hundred million out of that, that they invest on, you know, AFMs or, uh, you know, electron microscopes to analyze, uh, you know, the failures uh, in, in, in the produced chips uh, and to try to iteratively improve the yield, but these are offline instruments. So it's a small part of building a new fab. It's still, you know, a couple hundred million. And if you add up all the fabs being built this year, which is a lot more than usual, I think, you know, there's two being built in Japan. Uh, yeah, there's, I don't know, a few building in the US, I think three or so, a bit less in Europe. If you add it all up, it's between one or two billion for the year, just for instrumentation in failure analysis. Then there's also R&D. So the, the instruments we work with are used a lot in R&D, uh, you know, to look at the surface of the prototype chips you are making, uh, you know, to, to experiment on how to make smaller and smaller transistors. R&D investment is also big, uh, but for example, there's only a few companies in the world that are investing in this type of instrumentation and doing this type of R&D. For example, Intel, they invest about 20% of their revenue in R&D a year. Uh, they make, I think I saw about 20 billion a year, and uh, no, uh, 12, 12 billion a year. Uh, no, sorry, um, their revenue is 60 billion a year, and they invest about 12 billion a year in R&D. Uh, and out of that, more or less a single percentage point, like a single digit percentage, is invested in precision instrumentation. So if Intel invests 12 billion in uh, in R&D. They might invest again, like you know, between 100 and 500 million in precision instrumentation. And if you add this between Intel, TSMC, Samsung, which are the main investors in R&D in this area, like TSMC only invests about 8% a year in R&D. Samsung is a bit harder to see because they have so many other businesses <coughs> and they don't really report semiconductor R&D separately. But in total, again, it's about between one and two billion a year in precision instrumentation. So you, if you add up the fabs and the R&D, we have a market of about three or four billion, which is significant, but it's not the 300 billion you were talking about, you know? <coughs> yeah, there is, uh, yeah. The thing is that these companies are having a lot of diversified market, right? They are one is semiconductor, That's one true, is yes. They are making also so much money out of batteries, pharmaceuticals, batteries, solar, uh, yeah. solar cells, energy, petroleum, polymers. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. Um, but let's wrap it up. Yes. This is for the first time is very good. My water is over, empty. <laughs> so uh, you see, I'm crying. <laughs> uh, it's not because I'm emotional or something. Yeah. It's just, uh, Allergies. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, this was enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Um, we'll keep, we will try to do this more often. And uh, see how deep we can go and what subjects we can cover. Yeah. Yeah.
Thank you very much. Yes. Have a great day. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>